Charlie. Mark, one Charlie. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. We're still seeing it quite well through that haze. About the future innovations and growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your host, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host for today, Ryan Treasure. I want to give everybody a good quick awesome shout out and say thank you for listening to the radio show 2020 has been quite amazing as we uh just wrapped up our rich dad poor dad series of uh of interviews that we did with all seven of the rich dad advisors if you haven't had a chance to listen to that content please uh go back and listen to it we started back in december with those folks and it's a uh, quite a wealth of knowledge in the business space so we definitely want you guys to go check that out today we have a great show for you as always finding your frequency coming through on finding your frequency friday uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about entrepreneurship and uh, uh, listen to a fantastic story about a gentleman who uh, started a software company in his garage, sold it for eight figures, and then went to work directly with Tony Robbins and Chet Holmes to build a $25 million business together. So, uh, of course, that's going to be fantastic. So we want to welcome Mitch Russo to the show. Mitch, welcome to the show. Hey, Ryan. Thanks so much. What a great intro. Hey, I appreciate that very much. And, uh, you know, thank you for your time jumping on the show with us today. And uh, I know that you have uh, quite a fantastic story. And we always love to hear those entrepreneur stories, you know, just like Steve Jobs and, uh, you know, Apple back in the day, they kind of had a similar thing where starting their company in the garage. And now it's one of the largest corporations in the world. And, you know, uh, listening to those stories and uh, and listening to the bumps along the way or, you know, helpful tidbits for all, uh, all of our listeners so they can kind of, you know, learn a little bit about that space if they're going to jump out and find their frequency and go off and, and, and follow their passion and write that book or, you know, start that business or make that invention or what have you. So uh, we definitely love to hear your story, Mitch, about how you found your frequency and ended up where you are today. Absolutely. Be thrilled to tell you. So let's kind of just take it from the beginning. I mean, uh, you're, you're obviously a successful entrepreneur, but what, what started it all? Where did your passion and drive come from starting the software company? Let's just kind of start at the beginning. Sure. Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back in time. Uh, and again, maybe some of your listeners could relate to this. Um, I was in, uh, basically, I was in high school and I was, you know, I'm, I'm not a big guy. I was never a jock in high school. I didn't play sports. So my social life was a, a little less active than I would have liked. <laughs> um, so, and I was, like I said, I was shy anyway. So um, when I was about 13 years old, I decided to, a way to fix that might be to learn how to play an instrument. And, you know, who knows, uh, maybe someday start a band. So uh, I, I got guitar lessons and I practiced and got to the point where we started to, you know, my friends and I started to practice in my basement and we created a rock band and this little rock band turned out to be how I learned so much about marketing and sales. And, and I, Hey, I even got a girlfriend out of it. So it was definitely <laughs> nice. worthwhile, <laughs> but that was really my beginning. My beginning in business as a little boy came from my dad. My dad was an entrepreneur all his life. He opened up a series of uh, a chain of candy stores all over Manhattan. And so I would go in in the mornings on Sunday and I'd help him open the store, run the store. And, and boy, the lessons that came from just being with my dad and doing that stuff are, are just priceless. It was just such a powerful experience for me. Uh, but later in life, after the rock band and after I grew up, I, my, my true passion was electronics. I loved electronics, and this is before computers. Uh, and so I got involved uh, at school in learning how to, you're going to laugh when I tell you this, Ryan, I learned how to fix color television sets. <laughs> that's awesome. That's what, that's what I went to school for, because you know what? The guy who came <laughs> to my house to fix our TV was such a nice guy, and he always looked like he was having a good time. So I thought to myself, you know what? I think i might want to do that too interestingly so that, enough mitch my my mom is from the town that the television was invented 
Oh, really? Yeah, it's a little place called Rigby, Idaho. Oh my goodness, that's so funny. <laughs> well, well, that that's I mean, really, that's where you know I decided to 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 stake my claim in this world was to be a television repairman. So I went to school. My mom, uh, I should point out, was one of these people who was so encouraging in life. She would say to me, no matter what you want to do, Mitchell, you're going to be the best at it. And right. only she calls me Mitchell Ryan. That's a warning. <laughs> so I'm just letting you know, I'm Mitch. But anyway, <laughs> so so we ended up, she picked out, helped me pick out a school. It was the best school around. And I went to the school. It was a two-year program to learn to fix color TVs. And in the final term of, and I got straight A's all throughout because I was pretty passionate about electronics but in the final term, there was this mandatory course, which no one really understood why we were taking it, but, but it was part of the curriculum, and it was called Digital Electronics. Now, Ryan, I can't understand why this would ever be in a course about colored television sets, because everyone knows TVs are made out of tubes, right? Yep. So, so there you go. I mean, so I had to take this course. So I'm in the course, and the uh, professor who... Uh, was a quiet uh, uh, Indian gentleman who was very sincere about his topic. Um, not very entertaining or or funny in any way, but he was just sincere. And so about two weeks into the class, he called me up and said, uh, you know, after the class was over, everyone else had gone. He said to me, uh, I want you to take this book home and I want you to read the first chapter and I want you to do the exercises at the end of the chapter. I said, okay, I will. And I took it home and I read it. And the book was about digital electronics. I said, oh, okay, this is cool. So I read the book and I did the assignment at the end of the chapter. I came in the next day and handed it to him. And um, he quickly looked through it and said, okay, now do the next chapter. And so this went on for like six weeks. Uh, and then finally, um, at, the end of the, at the end of our term, he pulled me aside. He goes, do you have any idea what you just did? I said, what are you talking about? He goes, you know that book I've been giving you and asking you to study at night? I said, yeah. He says, you just completed the first two years of digital logic mapping that I took in college uh, back 10 years ago. I said, oh, well, it was kind of cool. I liked it. It was fun. He says, Mitch, you are never going to fix a color television set. I said, why not? He goes, because you're destined for the computer business. And you see, the reason I'm telling you the story, Ryan, is because there are people in our lives that have an impact. And we never quite know when that impact is going to come or what it's going to be. 100%. But today, that day, that impact changed my entire life trajectory. Yeah, it's, and that's how, it, it is very interesting um, about how life works in that particular way. Um, it's it's almost like those things happen at a perfect time, uh, you know, with a with a perfect mentor or guide, um, and get placed in front of you. And the next thing you know, you're you're on a on a new course, on a new path, on uh, something that maybe you didn't even necessarily know that you uh, wanted to go, but you're good at it. So let's go do it, right? Yeah, yeah, and that got me to Massachusetts. Um, now I moved to Massachusetts because I was hired by a company. Uh, called uh, Data General, which is long defunct. Um, so I, I came into Data General. Um, I worked there. I, uh, I I didn't I didn't quite enjoy it, but I but it was my pathway. Uh, but the reason again I'm bringing all this up is because we never know where what we do is going to take us next. So as I'm working this job uh, at Data General, a gentleman taps me on the shoulder and says, "You don't belong here." I said, "What do you mean?" He goes. Because you are, uh, you've shown way too much initiative to be on, um, on the shipping lane here at the at the company. Uh, I'm going to make an introduction. I, I think you should speak to my friends over at a rival company called Digital, D E C Deck Digital Equipment Corporation. So I said, oh sure, that's great. And so anyway, I end up going to Deck, and they then saw what I was capable of, and they put me in the labs, and I was part of the launch of their of their groundbreaking computer system. And now I was clearly in the computer business and in the electronics industry. 
And I loved it. I ate it up. I was the type of guy that when I'd go home at night, I would be building circuits on my dining room table. My entire dining room was like an electronics lab. I had oscilloscopes and meters and power supplies and tons and tons of, 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 of all kinds of components that I would use for my little projects. I would write for Byte Magazine, which was the computer journal of the era. But what started to happen was um, I, I started to understand business. And that was a turning point for me, is the understanding of what the business of electronics was. And so I transitioned to be a marketing executive uh, for a semiconductor company. And that's when I got a taste for really what the business of electronics was about. And and so, you know, here we are again. Uh, I was clearly an electrical engineer. I loved being an engineer. I loved building circuits, creating and designing things. But I had this yearning to go beyond that. That was great, but I, I didn't feel like it was going to fulfill me for the rest of my life. So I went into business. And as a result, uh, I ended up selling semiconductors as a salesperson. And I went from earning uh, a, a relatively small salary about uh, at first at $17,000 a year, and this goes back a while, um, to quantupling my salary, 500% increase uh, going into a sales position, and then eventually selling, uh, and, and I want you to keep note of the year here, this is probably 1981. I was earning $34,000 a month selling electronics back then. I had no idea what to do with that kind of money. I was just putting it in the bank until, the, until it reached $100,000. Uh, then I'd take that passbook and put it in my sock drawer and I'd go to another bank and open up another account and fill it until it reached $100,000. This is how unsophisticated I was. But here's what ended up happening. Bill Gates announced BASIC to run on this brand new computer called the Altair. And as a result of that, I said, heavens for Murgatroyd, this guy is going into the business I want to be in. And I, I set it out. And, and I, I'll put it to you in the way that I like to think of it myself. I put it out there in the universe and I let the universe take hold of this and guide me to where I needed to go. It doesn't mean I didn't go into action, but it meant that I passionately uh, invested in my own ideas. And um, I ended up having an idea. The idea was maybe I could create a software company. And so one day a new neighbor moves in. Uh, I knock on the door to introduce myself. And uh, we became immediate friends. We both were rock uh, enthusiasts, both played guitar. And turns out that um, we went to breakfast and bonded even deeper. I told him my idea and he thought it was a good one. But here's the best part. About two months later, he calls me over to his house, which was right next door. And he shows me my idea implemented on his screen. And I said, oh, my goodness, that's amazing. Now, he did it on an Apple, too. I said, well, we got to do this on a PC. <laughs> and, of course, we didn't have a PC. <laughs> so, so I said to him, and because, again, this was my desire. I said, how would you like to go into business with me? We both can put $5,000 into a bank account and we could buy you a PC and you could write the same thing that you just created for the PC. And he said, sure, just like that. Yeah. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, and that beginning, it, it, and by the way, it didn't go smoothly. I mean, uh, it turns out that we built this product. We loved what we had been doing. It was fairly sophisticated for a little thing that we had done. Um, I wrote the manual, he wrote the software, uh, got to the point where it was complete and we both quit our jobs. Now, I, I told you I was selling semiconductors and I was making good money. Uh, he was a programmer and working on, on with different companies to create their products. Well, he resigned from all his jobs and I quit my company. The next day, the next day, our product had no possible use whatsoever. It turned out that our entire product was based on an IRS ruling. And because uh, that IRS ruling was relaxed, that particular day, 
we had a completed product with nowhere to go and the boats had been burned. Oh man. I mean, that that's quite a lesson to, to learn, you know, in business um, <laughs> right off the bat to get, uh, to get hammered like that. I mean, how did you guys, uh, how did you guys rebound from that challenge? Well, we were, let's just say that I, I don't want to use the word lucky, um, but we were persistent. So we spent the first two hours screaming, pissing, moaning, cursing, throwing things around. Uh, then we got sorry for ourselves. How could this happen to us? I can't believe this. Then we snapped into action. All this took two hours, by the way. So now at this point, we're saying, okay, look, we just created a really cool piece of technology. Where else can we use it? Who else needs what we do? Well, we said, you know, uh, it's not quite exact a fit, but lawyers need to keep track of time. Accountants need to keep track of time. Why don't we build a, uh, a legal software time tracking tool? And, and I said, yeah, 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 that's a great idea, except the ones I've looked at have billing systems. And he goes, and then Neil said to me, oh, I could write a billing system. I've written one before. I said, really? For lawyers? He goes, no, for hairdressers. I said, <laughs> I don't think it's the same kind, Neil. And uh, he said, no, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. Yeah, it's close, though. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, everybody's uh, that's funny. My mom is a is a salon owner and uh, right. she uses software to keep track of, you know, the the, the appointments that are booked. Uh, yeah. Right. Which is like, you know, the time with the lawyer. So I could see there being some synergies in that area when you guys were putting that together. What a what a, yeah. what, a what a great concept. Uh, it's so <laughs> funny that you bring that up, too, because I have conversations with people about uh, value based pricing. Uh, yep. which is like anti timesheet. Um, and, and here you guys are in the very beginning, uh, you know, especially professional services. I mean, all, all those people are keeping track of time. So, uh, what, yep. what, what an idea. I mean, we use this, we use a service here at our company, uh, called timesheets.com, right. To keep track of everybody's uh, clocking in and clocking out, which is a software based, uh, product that, which, that we really like, uh, I should have get them to pay me to talk about that before I said that. Exactly. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's cool that you guys are building that stuff. Um, you know, uh, just kind of for the audience too. Uh, what's really awesome is uh, all of this that you're doing. Uh, I was like six years old, right? I was just <laughs> I was just getting introduced to computers at that time, uh, which is kind of why I swung this way with audio. Is you know I got, I got introduced to computers back when the Apple IIe was out, uh, you know and I, they put uh, computers. I got my hands on a computer for the first time in school in in high school in ninth grade. Uh, mm -hmm. So this this is very interesting. It's it's bringing up a lot of memories for me of uh, things that I would do when I was younger. Uh, talking about the electronics all over your your space and getting so vested in that. That was like you know me with audio rec recording equipment and you know stuff connected through MIDI and having uh, keyboards and synthesizers and drum machines and all that fun stuff as I was exploring my. Uh, my taste for audio recording. So uh, that, that, that's a great story. Let's uh, let's continue on, on, on that part. And you know, what, where did you guys go from there after you came up with that idea? You're, you're going to go write this software. You're going to deploy it. Uh, uh, how, well, how, how did you guys get into the actual building of that? Well, basically Neil built it himself. He did the entire, he built the entire system completely by himself uh, he was that brilliant. And, you know, when we became partners, um, we had, we drew a line down a sheet of paper. And on one side, I wrote programming and software. On the other side, I wrote everything else. So I got the side that said everything else. And he got the side that said programming and software. So, and, and as I told you, I mean, I'd never been a CEO before. I'd never owned a company. I've never run a company, but I had really good instincts. I mean, after all, I was dealing drugs on the street in New York. You had to have good instincts, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I, it's where I learned to sell. So, so the bottom line is that, you know, I grew up, I was a city kid and, and I learned the hard way how to hustle. And that's what it took because at that point, we spent the next 18 months hustling. I mean, there were days where, you know, we would make one sale for $99 and there were days we'd make no sales for $99. So, we had to hustle, but we got a break. And, you know, breaks come to people who do the groundwork to prepare for them. 
So I'll tell you what I did, and I'll tell you what the break was. It's very straightforward. It was time, it was 1985, and it was Comdex. And Comdex was a big trade show in Las Vegas for the computer industry. And uh, I went out there, and I didn't even have a hotel room. I didn't even know you really needed one. I figured you could just grab one. Of course, the busiest show in all of Las Vegas. I ended up staying six miles away from where the exhibit halls were. (laughs) So I had to take a cab or walk in every day. And then the exhibit halls were 10 million square feet in total. And I walked all of the exhibit halls in, in, it seemed that way, maybe not every square foot, but I walked them all in 10 days. And over the course of 10 days, uh, my voice, I lost my voice. I regained my voice. I lost my voice again. Uh, By the time I came home, I couldn't talk and I was sick. But I had visited hundreds of vendors. I had given away sample copies of my software. I had collected dozens, maybe even more than dozens of business cards. And, um, you know, I, I basically came home with nothing except being sick and worn out shoes. But here's the thing. Because I did that, inadvertently, I had placed my software in the hands of a reviewer for a magazine called InfoWorld. Now, InfoWorld, I don't even know if Info, I think it's still around, but InfoWorld was the industry standard many years ago. And if InfoWorld didn't like your software, you should shut your company down because that's how influential they were. And so we didn't know that that they were going to view our product. In fact, we got a phone call from someone called a fact checker who said, okay, uh, just call it to make sure that this really is Time Slips Corporation and that your phone number is XYZ. And the reason I'm asking is because we're going to be reviewing your software and we just want to make sure we have all the facts right. And then I said, yes, uh, when is the review coming out? He goes, no, I'm sorry. We don't know that. We can't tell you that. Uh, but all we know is we're checking the facts. So I said, okay, thank you. And then I told Neil, Neil is freaking out now. Oh my God. Oh my God. You gave him a version. <laughs> that was our first versions. That's too old. We should do an update for the guy. I said, I don't even know who it is. So now we are on pins and needles trying to understand what the heck is going on. And, um, and one day, I don't remember the day of the week it was, but one day, uh, it's about 6 a.m., I hear the phones ringing downstairs because downstairs is where um, our, um, our our office is. Our office is in the garage, basically. Right. And so I hear, I hear all four phones ringing. Never heard that before. We over, you know, when we subscribed, we, we bought four phone numbers that rolled from one to the other. All four phones are ringing. I run downstairs. I'm half asleep. I'm in my underwear. I pick up the phone and said, good morning, Time Slips Corporation. Can I help you? Yes, I'd like to place an order for Time Slips. And I'm frantically writing and taking orders and writing and taking orders while the phone is ringing off the hook. I did this for three straight hours before anybody showed up who could help me. And they kept doing it all day long. And then that night, I get a phone call from one of the largest software distributors in the in the country um and they say we'd uh, like to place an order please for your software i said uh okay and now i've been trying to get an order with them for months and they never even speak to me i said sure how many would you like they go uh well we're gonna start with 600 oh said, that's awesome six 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 hundred copies he goes yep what's the price and then on the spot i doubled the price I said, yeah, it's a retail for $199. Your price, $99. They said, great. Okay, we'll take 600 copies. Oh, wow. So we hadn't sold six a week up until this point. I mean, it was scarce. Uh, we were running on fumes. But that review turned out to be the most significant event in the beginning of our company. And that's where I say sometimes it's luck and sometimes it's just putting the work in to make it happen. And that's what I did. Yeah, that's 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 an amazing story of uh, stick-to-itiveness, right? You're out there pounding the street, um, you know, and that's that's cool that you you learned that hustle, you know, early on. Um, I remember 
kind of internalizing that. Uh, my grandfather had a vitamin business. Uh, my my family's been in equi- into you know the equestrian industry for a long time and horse racing. And uh, I remember I remember being you know eight or nine years old and schlepping around with my grandfather from racetrack to racetrack in Arizona, mm-hmm. California, Colorado. Uh, you know, hustling, going to all the owners and trainers and trying to sell this brand of Winter Circle vitamins that my grandfather had a patent for. Um, Mm -hmm. and I learned a whole lot of, you know, how to communicate with individuals and how to, you know, make negotiations and some of those things, uh, and all of that stuff that I learned back then, just like how, you know, you were hustling in New York when you were, when you were young, all of those things translate into, you know, real world, uh, tools and skills that you can use for other purposes later on in life. And, uh, you know, I always tell people on the radio show when they're listening, uh, you know, especially with their kids, if they're parents that, you know, a lot of times nowadays, the younger kids are so socially kind of awkward and they've maybe lost that ability that we learned as, as youngsters by schlepping around with our dads and our grandfathers and, you know, getting out there. And, uh, I remember one of my first jobs when I was 16 years old, I would, I would show up at the warehouse, uh, and with a, with a duffel bag, uh, these guys would give me, you know, different products like lotion and, you know, things like that. And I would literally walk door to door to different businesses and, uh, you know, put in that legwork. And some days I wouldn't sell one thing. Some days I'd sell out my whole bag in, you know, uh, a couple of hours. And, uh, you know, you really do have to put in that legwork, uh, and put in, put in the effort. Uh, so what a, what a great story that, and then (laughs) the review in the magazine, 600 copies, I'm sure you guys were, uh, you know, inside of yourselves going hell yeah <laughs> uh, oh yeah well it wasn't the, we didn't sell 600 copies we sold when the dust had settled uh that day based on our our commercial orders and our individual orders we we were near a thousand copies and and that was like i said that was just the beginning and we were operating out of my garage so uh, we had to go and get commercial space. I was going to say, you, you know, guys probably decided it was time for a better, a different office now. <laughs> yeah, you ain't kidding. It sure was. But, you know, we ended up outgrowing the next office and the next one and the next one. Um, and, and you know, we just applied what I would think of as common sense business. Uh, you know, in, in my family's language, they'd call it sechel, which is logic and good sense. And that's all we would do. Uh, we would just be sensible. I ran the company uh, as if it were my checkbook. Now, that's not very sophisticated. It's probably not very smart, but that's how I did it, and that's what I did. And as a result, we never borrowed much money. We did occasionally borrow money, but it was just a credit line. We never got investors uh, because, frankly, we didn't want them, and, and we felt like we would grow at the pace that we could afford to grow. Uh, and that really was important as we as we continued the story. So well, jumping I, past I, that, I think that's a good point just to mention too. You know, um, sure, uh, especially if you're new and trying to start a business. Um, you know, like your your cash flow is like your lifeblood for that business. And I've I've seen so many times people have you know went out and got additional investors and different you know uh, capital that didn't really resonate with their ability to bring in revenue. They were trying to, you know, grow faster than they could um, to scale to something that their salespeople couldn't, you know, uh, fulfill um, or they couldn't, you know, do that. So I think that's one of the reasons why Voice America has been around for 20 years, you know, is uh, we've kind of taken that approach as well as it's like, you know, we're going to we're going to grow this organically as it grows and it grows organically. And, you know, we don't need, uh, you know, other people. Uh, you know, we've been publicly traded before. And let me tell you, when we were public and we had a board of directors of people who had no idea what internet radio was or had never done radio before, you know, making high level decisions on how the operation was happening, it was challenging. And, uh, you know, happy at 2010, uh, we we went private. And so uh, now, you know, radio uh, being ran by radio people. Uh, but mm-hmm. I mean, the same concept applies in, in, in your aspect of, you know, making sure that that growth is organic and you can build something sustainable. Of course. And, and so my my big lessons, my big takeaways uh, from that era 
are are all about uh, the fact that I mean we didn't have any money, uh, so we couldn't buy advertising in those early days. So I had to figure out how to get people to find out who we were for free, and it turns out that I learned the most I ever could possibly learn uh, because of being forced to do it in this way. So we basically had to make PR work. And the reason we did is because PR is free, <laughs> not because it, it's good or bad. It's free. So we had to figure out how to make PR work. And we did. It turns out PR became so significant to the way we did business that it, it dominated really our entire strategy for years. The other thing we had to figure out how to do, again, how do you do stuff for free that promotes and sells your product, is we created joint ventures. Right. And we built uh, dozens and dozens of joint ventures with partners. And these joint ventures propelled us into the future. I mean, turns out later, of course, now there's all kinds of courses on how to do it. It's about as simple as can be. You just get on the phone and say, hey, I'd love to work with you to help sell your product so you could help me sell mine. And next thing you know, you know you're know, you in business, you're helping people, they're helping you, and you're having a great time doing it. So, I mean, we had to figure all these things out. Now, I wish I would have had someone you know, like me. I, I work as a business coach every day with clients. <clears throat> I wish I would have had something called the business coach. They hadn't been invented yet. <laughs> I I had a lawyer. Uh, yeah, well, you guys, are, you, guys are, you guys are like developing software too in a time where, you know, um, like the internet's coming online. Uh, software growth and creation was like absolutely huge at that time. Um, yep. You know, I mean, I, I remember, you know, when, when, you know, looking at some of your timeline, right. And you guys had, you know, the largest time tracking software company in the world. And, um, you know, in the very early nineties, I mean, you're talking, uh, you know, some, some really significant, uh, technological changes are happening in those times in the nineties. Um, what an, what an awesome time to be alive. <laughs> you're so right. You know, and a $10 million company could become one of the largest in the world in that particular space. And, and that's kind of what we did. And all of this stuff that I'm telling you today became the foundation of how I learned how to create growth, how to build companies, how to make powerful things happen in the marketplace. And it's really been such an incredible journey. Um, and when I, when I, when Tony Robbins and I and Chet Holmes and the three of us built this company together, uh, it was on the strength of my experience that I was chosen to do this. So, I mean, all of that came from this era when I built my own company and, and then grew it and then found my own buyer, created a bidding war and sold it. Yeah, and you know, uh, it's, it's interesting part of your story too. Who did you who did you sell your uh, software company to? Which which company? Sage PLC. <laughs> Sage, the Sage. Yes. Whose only rival is probably SAP, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Got it. And I was the chief operating officer of the U.S. division for Sage. Uh, for a couple of years after I, after That's my earnout awesome. was over. One of our, uh, one of our radio show hosts, a really good friend of mine named Ed Kless uh, works at Sage uh, and Sage sponsors his radio show, which is called um, the soul of enterprise business in the knowledge economy, uh, which is mm. a, a fantastic radio show. Um, and, and yeah, Sage underwrites the cost for the production of the show. And, um, we go to the, uh, uh, the, the Sage, the, the large Sage event that they have each year, uh, the Sage mm. conference and, uh, yeah, been, been, uh, quite, uh, in, in good relationships with Sage for quite some time. And, uh, <laughs> we also have a great relationship with SAP. Uh, and so it's, uh, uh, a great a great time because those companies are, are rapidly growing and doing some really cool things in the technology space that um, I, I specifically follow. Um, you know, we even we even work with Deloitte, right, <laughs> which probably uses uh, some time tracking software. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, it, it got, you know, fast forward many years later, way after I had sold the company, uh, you know, it happens. I'm getting a divorce and uh my uh, attorney is actually 
sending me bills in time slips. So uh, I got bit by my own, <laughs> by the hair of my own dog, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so, so, but, uh, but anyway, so much of, of my education came from having to learn the hard way. And, and I believe that's the best way to learn all the time. Uh, but, but the, life goes on. The old I mean, trial by fire. <laughs> the old trial by fire. So after I sold my company, which by the way, I mean, I had never even thought that there would be an end to that. It was, it was so significant and such an important part of my life. But after I sold the company, um, I came back to Boston because I'd hated Dallas, Texas. It was just too hot for me. And um, uh, when I came back, I decided to help others get their company situated so that they could sell too. And so I worked with other v other venture capital firms and helped with their portfolio companies. Uh, I made investments in several software companies as well. Uh, uh, but that led, led up to the point where eventually my old friend Chet Holmes gives me a call one day and asks for some help. And next thing I know, uh, fast forward, Chet uh, and I are in business together. I'm now running his company as president. And he tells me one evening that we're going to be talking to Tony Robbins the next day. And I said, the Tony Robbins, the guy whose tape program I bought years ago and have been listening to in my car, <laughs> that Tony Robbins. Yeah. Goes, yep. Cause I've been trying to get appointment with Tony for 17 years. Finally did it. So we get on the phone with Tony and Tony is nothing but compliments telling Chet, uh, how much he loves his stuff and how great his products are and says, uh, how can we be in business together? And we began at that point to work out a way to build the company together. And so the three of us ended up uh, going into business and building this company together called Business Breakthroughs International. And we built it on the foundation of Chet's company, Chet Holmes International, um, and as you may know, Chet has passed away. He, he died of complications after leukemia. Uh, and his daughter picked up the mantle. And I believe she's now still running Chet Holmes International. But when we did this, I now entered a world that I had never been in before. And it was an exciting world. And it was great to have people like Chet and Tony uh, as my partners. So if you got the chance to be mentored by Chet Holmes and Tony Robbins for five years, nonstop. Do you think you'd take that chance? I would jump on that opportunity faster than I could imagine. I mean, very <laughs> successful entrepreneurs. And uh, I've been to several of Tony, Tony's events uh, as media with some of our radio show hosts. And, you know, several of our radio show hosts have gone to his other events and walked the fire and done all of those yep. crazy things. And, um, you know, he, he definitely has a, a way with motivating you to get off your butt <laughs> and go, go yep. get, go get some business acceleration. Right. Absolutely. Well, I had that opportunity and of course it was an incredibly lucrative opportunity as well. Um, but the bottom line, again, it, it just opened up my world for me. I yeah. learned again so much. And, uh, so besides, yeah, we made some money. That was great. But more importantly, um, I learned things I had never known before. I understood the, the the madness and the processes which Tony Robbins has used for many many years to be successful, and and I I applied those to my own life and to the things I do right now every day. Uh, and so for me, it was another incredibly powerful experience. And when Chet passed away, I really didn't know what to do. And I mean, at that point, I had chosen to resign from the company <clears throat> because the company wasn't the same anymore without Chet. And um, it was my time. I needed to go. But I didn't know what to do. And there was a moment where I felt completely useless. I felt like, well, I don't even really have any skills. I mean, what, what do I do? What do I really know? You know? And, and so you go through those soul-searching moments. And that's where friends come in. So I called a friend, a guy many of you may know. His name is Jay Abraham. And I said to Jay, Jay, what do I do? And he says, I don't know what you're going to do, Mitch, but I got to tell you this. You cannot go to grave without teaching what you know. You must find a way to share with the world what you know because it's too valuable. I said, oh, okay, but 
Jay, what does that mean? He goes, I don't know, but you just got to do it. And that's when I wrote my first book called The Invisible Organization, which is a blueprint on how we built Business Breakthroughs International. It's how do you run a multi-hundred person company completely virtual. And that book uh, sort of launched me back into the consulting business, coaching and consulting. And then a few years later, three years later, I wrote another book called Power Tribes. And Power Tribes is my blueprint for how to build certification systems with a heart. That's why they're called tribes. And using this process, uh, I've helped several companies now create very powerful, very lucrative certification systems that they now deploy in their own companies. And um, since then, I've also uh, created a podcast called Your First Thousand Clients. And, um, you know, on that show, we interview people who've done it, who've built companies with a thousand clients or more. Uh, and, and Ryan, if it's okay with you, I'd be happy to share um, the, the masterclass I did on how to find your own thousand clients. Uh, and I sent you the link in chat here. So if you'd like, you could share it on my show page when. Absolutely. Um, I sure will. Yeah. What, what a great resource for the, for our listeners. And, you know, as you were sitting there talking, I just had an epiphany and I said, Ooh, I know what the title of this episode is going to be. And we're going to call it the entrepreneur blueprint with Mitch Russo. Um, there you I, go. I think that'll be a fantastic title uh, and allow people to listen to that story of entrepreneurship and uh, all the things that you've learned. I mean, what a, what an amazing, uh, you know, story to have, you know, the information on building something from scratch in the garage, you know, all the way through, you know, your time with Chet and Tony. Uh, and then, you know, soul searching yourself, uh, and, and, and then releasing these books and all this information. And for us at finding your frequency, our promo, it says summoning the intestinal fortitude, right? And, you know, that's basically what you did after you transitioned into, you know, writing the invisible organization and power tribes and, you know, working through all of that stuff is, you know, you, you summoned something from inside yourself and said, Hey, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, and, and. In the, in the in the same time, you're you're helping entrepreneurs to, uh, you know, really propel their business based off of the knowledge that you had. So, uh, you know, thank you for doing that, and thank you for being on the show and sharing that story. Uh, we 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 absolutely appreciate uh, you doing that here on Finding Your Frequency, and that's that's exactly what this show is about. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled to contribute, and and I truly mean it. I mean, listeners uh, who hear me speak. Uh, I, you know, I invite you to get in touch. Tell me your story. I'd love to hear what you're doing too. So this is a two-way uh, communication system. This, Absolutely. this radio show that you're doing. So, and I invite I invite listeners to reach out. Um, is it okay if I say my website? No, absolutely. If you don't, I will. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Most people can just find me at mitchrusso.com, uh, and on there you'll see the books I've written and the things that I do and. Um, you know, one small fact that I don't really share much is that uh, I am a, a very passionate landscape photographer. I shoot the night sky and the Milky Way, and I do it all over the world. So if you're interested in that part of my life, you can go to MitchRussoTravels.com, and that's all of my travel photography in one place. Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, um, my my side hobby is um, I still uh, I, I still use vinyl records and mix them together. Uh, mm. which I've been doing since I was about, I don't know, 15 years old. Uh, so it's always good to have some kind of outlet and a release that's, you know, creative, you know, you get to follow your passion and, you know, take photos with your awesome DSLR camera and play with lenses. That's always fun. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, for me, it's the, it's the work that I produce. The equipment is a necessary part of it and i of course enjoy having and using the equipment but but if i get a chance to stand in front of epic i know i'm going to get a good picture and so that's what i do i strive to go where it's epic and be there and i'd be there as long as i can for well as long as it takes for me to get the photo I, i've envisioned what was the what in that space just uh because i'm a nerd when it comes to technology um and i, I love gear but uh, so what kind of camera are you using? Number one. And then number two to you, what do you think was the uh, the the coolest uh, scenario that you've been able to phot uh, photograph? Sure. So I use all Sony gear. 
but I've transitioned. I went from Nikon to Canon and then finally to Sony. Uh, and the reason I use Sony gear is simply because it is the, um, the best quality um, uh, and the lightest gear on the market. Now, this is a revolving door. Uh, every year, <laughs> manufacturers change everything out. So this year, maybe Canon has you know a better camera slightly, but I, I'm now committed to Sony gear and I love it. As far as some of the coolest places I've ever photographed, I mean, I, I've been in Norway for uh, the Northern Lights. Uh, I've been to Greenland uh, and photographed uh, the icebergs with and uh, with a with a drone. Uh, I've been all throughout uh, Morocco, and I travel to Iceland uh, almost every year. I take a small group of photographers with me, and in Iceland we photograph uh, aurora borealis and. We photograph the frozen landscape, and we make beautiful, beautiful photos together. Uh, and I love leading a group. I love teaching. Uh, I love helping friends get better at what they do, too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I think you and I have that in common. I I absolutely love uh, training radio show hosts in the in the art of doing radio. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just, it's just fun. And then, of course... Uh, I just like to talk. So, uh, you know, finding out people's stories and, you know, why they, why are you doing a radio show? What, what book do you have? And, you know, all those yep. fun things. And, you know, I think every time I do one of these uh, radio shows or interview, you know, somebody like yourself, it's kind of a, a training session for me too, right? I'm, I'm learning mm. some of the tidbits that, you know, our, our, our guests are putting down and, you know, having that as a, as a resource for myself, as well as the listening audience and just being able to bring on entrepreneurs and how to have them tell their story and allow them to share with us some of the bumps down the road. You know, maybe that, maybe that goes uh, and, and helps somebody who's listening to the show, who's growing their company, not make a mistake that one of our guests had made so they can have it a little easier in business uh, and, and, and make it big. Right. Well, Ryan, I have to tell you, you have no idea how many countless people you have helped by doing the work that you do. And it's important stuff. It really is. You will have touched lives every single day and never know it. Uh, and, you know, I ask my own listeners, I say, you know, if, if you've enjoyed a guest or if you've learned something or if you've done something as a result of you something you learned on the show, please let me know. I want to celebrate you. And I bet you would love to hear the same from your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you guys who are listening, um, you know, there's several ways to, you know, get in touch with the radio show. Um, you can also uh, get a hold of Mitch at MitchRusso.com. Uh, and then for those of you who want to send over some show ideas or, you know, some questions or anything like that, please do info at voiceamerica.com. Uh, I check the uh, reviews on all of the podcast sites as well. So uh, kindly, you know, send us a review. Let us know uh, how you how you like the show, because obviously I like five stars because it's way better than four stars so <laughs> let's <laughs> let's get the five star reviews and also i want to i want to say thank you to all the listeners um i looked at itunes yesterday and we currently are up to 155 star reviews on on itunes for the radio show so you know thank you to all your listeners for uh, all you listeners for supporting the show since 2016 and of course we're going to be having uh, some more fantastic content here in 2020 uh and 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 what a treat it's been to talk with you mitch we really appreciate you being on and, you know, uh, so much synergies. I mean, I love that you played guitar. You started that. I used to play guitar with my dad all the time. Uh, mm. you know, uh, loved, 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 loved to finger pick an electric guitar. <laughs> yep. I can't, Absolutely. I, I can't stop playing blues scales. <laughs> yep. Yep. Me neither. For that matter. I, lo I love the blues. Awesome. Well, if you guys want to get a hold of Chet, uh, excuse me, Mitch, uh, make sure you check out the website, MitchRusso.com. Uh, send me an email at info at voiceamerica.com. You can check us out all over social media at Radio Ryan 1, at Jeff Spinney 2. And of course, you can uh, follow Voice America on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Uh, appreciate you being on, Mitch. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, and then again, uh, before we let you go, um, we're going to put a link in the uh, description of this. Uh, and let's just kind of explain to the listeners one more time what that link is and, and, and what they'll help the, what will that what will that help them do. Sure. So, so I was asked by the amazing Yannick Silver, uh, who runs Evolved Enterprise, to share with his membership uh, a masterclass on how to take your own company to the next level. Uh, I call it getting to a thousand clients. 
And, and so what I did is I put together a complete training program, which I just gave you the link to that you're going to be posting on your site. Yep. And this will allow anybody who clicks on that link for free to take my 90-minute training program, including all of the slides that I used, all of the links that I mentioned. I even provide a reading list and homework so that if you are interested in learning about how to take your company to the next level, go to this link. Uh, the link is, I could say it, but it's a long link. It's mitchrusso.com Evolved Enterprise Mentor Session dash Russo. So go and click on it at the show site. Uh, can you repeat the name of the show site or the URL of your show site, Ryan? Uh, our, our, our radio show site? Yes. Uh, yeah, you can find it on voiceamerica.com. Uh, just do a search for Finding Your Frequency. And then the show's also on every major podcast distribution outlet. Fantastic. So that's how listeners, that's how you can find this free program. And by all means, uh, let me know how you liked it. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that uh, uh, knowledge with us. And I'm sure the listeners will definitely take advantage of that. And uh, again, I'm, we're going to call this the entrepreneur blueprint with Mitch Russo. I mean, what a great story. Again, appreciate you for jumping on and being uh, on the show. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, listeners, make sure you tune in every week on Finding Your Frequency. We go live every Friday at 12 o'clock Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and we appreciate everybody tuning in. Mitch, thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Finding Your Frequency Talk Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure, and we're coming at you from the Voice America Internet Talk Radio Network. Make sure you check out all of our other shows. we got about 300 hours of content to come out on a weekly basis, and uh, we want to make sure to spread the love. Uh, so check out some of our other radio programming, and thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm Ryan Treasure. I'll see you guys next time.